Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with your host, Mary Belden McGrath, where community leaders share their successes, their obstacles, and their knowledge. Now here's your host, Mary Belden McGrath. I just want to say again, thank you. You know, we go back, holy cow, 13, 14 years ago. Thanks, so. 14 yeah. years. And, you know, and it was another, I worked for a different leadership company. Um, and it's interesting that you're talking about leadership by serving others, because what I remember with you is that you were so hungry to learn. Like you were just hungry to learn, you were hungry to grow. Um, you have a great sense of humor, but you have the kindest, most compassionate spirit. And then you're driven, you're driven for results. And so when I said, okay, so what do you want to talk about? You know, like you said, leadership by serving others, which absolutely I can see 100%. Um, that's who you are. So a little bit of background for those of you who do not know, uh, Vince is, you said that you started your leadership career at the age of 16 at a local YMCA camp as a camp leader. Today, you and your wife, you run your own youth leadership camp. Isn't it amazing how just life takes you in this twist and turn? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And like you're kind of a master plan or something. It's a map, yeah. Sometimes we don't even understand. But yeah, then we, we want to guide it that way. <laughs> um, you're also the board chair of a YMCA camp in the Santa Cruz Mountains. You have served as the chief risk and security officer for nearly a 7 billion multinational company for 27 years. I can't even imagine what leadership experiences that you have <laughs> uncovered and discovered and rediscovered there. Um, and then you've had so many different leadership roles from Little League, a church board, a national leadership role for an international chaplain organization. So you're a chaplain, right? I am. You yeah. are. And then you were president of a nonprofit company or organization that gave away $8 million a year. How did you, what did you do? At which part? <laughs> Come on, Mary. You gotta... So that specifically, so the company for whom I work now, KLA, we have a foundation and it's been around for uh, probably since about 2006. I took it over in 2008. And we were giving away, you know, $10,000 here, $15,000 there, and built it into um, a giving organization that is supporting uh, communities around the world where our company operates uh, to the tune of over $8 million a year. And it's been because we've been pulling people into the foundation team. Uh, we have a phenomenal executive director and a great program uh, team. And really getting out and understanding what the needs are. And as you've seen, Mary, this last couple of years, this last year and a half in particular, the needs are just explosive. And so getting to the places where people need help, need um, resources, need partnerships, that's where we are. So it's $8.6 million of investment around the world in this last year. What a gift. There's another company that we work with and they go into the community and they just, they do that, they give whatever need um, they serve. They've served, um, you know, the nurses, the doctors, but they've also done other things to just give and give and give. And, you know, there's such a, 
it, which goes into your topic of, of serving, you know, we, we get so stuck in our own bubble and yet it's so much greater to give than it is often to receive. But when we're in the place that we need help, that's the place when it's hard to give. It's like, hold on a minute. Yeah, for, I mean, the COVID thing itself was when we were out there quickly uh, getting resources for other organizations. So our local hospital system couldn't get uh, PPE. So we got it for them and did their procuring for them. They didn't have a procurement function. So we procured it for them. We gave them masks. We gave them um, suits for the isolation. So we were able to do that. And you're right. It is uh, as, as good as it is to have people say, oh, that was great. It's really great to actually serve. And so I think that's part of um, the legacy that, you know, I'm retiring from this, this job uh, September 3rd. And so I'm going to leave all of that behind me. So I, I'm in transition now. And my, one of the legacies will be meeting people's needs. So talk to us about leadership by serving others. What does that mean? And why is this so important to you? So there was a guy um, in the 70s, actually 1970. Uh, it was Robert Greenleaf. And he wrote an essay about the servant leader. And so there's, as you know, Mary, you more than any would know how many different leadership styles there are. And uh, the servant leader actually seeks to serve first. They become a leader, but they seek to serve others first. And in doing so, uh, they put uh, themselves, they put others first, um, which of course would be a great biblical principle too, putting others first and serving others. And then along the way, the goal of the serving leader is to you know, remove roadblocks, get the junk out of the way, help the, the other people become who they need to become and can become. And uh, when a serving leader keeps their ego in, in check, then they allow their team members or the people on their adjacent teams to actually grow in their own capabilities and their own self-esteem. And so collectively, the whole group ends up doing better because the servant leader doesn't just, you know, take off and say, hey, we're doing this. I don't care what you all think, but involves them in that process. So it's important to me because we, this is why we started our youth camp 12 years ago. If we look around and we see many examples of leaders who lead, they're strong, they're courageous, all of the things you think a leader ought to be, but they have no ethics or maybe they have them, but they're not displaying them uh, or their decision-making, the, their purpose, their why is really a different why than what we think people ought to be looking at. So for companies who say that, and many of them do, that their people are their greatest asset, they don't always act like that's their greatest asset. They don't invest in that. So when they look at what they're doing and the decisions they're making and that uh, it's really bottom line driven, how much profit, how much shareholder value can they actually have? So I look at it a little bit differently in terms of what can we do for the greater good. So what's the difference then? You talked a little bit about it, um, but what's the difference between a traditional style leader and a servant leader? What? Well, interestingly, this last summer, two weeks ago, we did our summer camp, Reliant Camps, and the theme was kaleidoscope leadership. And so the kaleidoscope leadership, it's multifaceted. So we individually possess these different facets within our own leadership style. And so serving the servant leader is one aspect of, of leadership. 
And so, but there are others like a charismatic leader. You can think of uh, someone like, like Hitler was a charismatic leader. The charisma, the pe people followed him, wasn't the right place to go. It wasn't the right stuff, wasn't the right why, but his charisma and his authoritarianism drew people to him. And that's, so it's a difference in the goal. The goal of the servant leader is the people is to develop the people, to grow the people, to encourage the, the people with whom that they work. Some of the other leadership styles are very much focused on goal attainment of the bottom line, get the project done, get to the end of, of the roadmap, check that box off. So it's very objective uh, focus. This is our goal where the servant leader takes into account more the whole person. Maybe it's a, a holistic approach because a servant leader will and does need to continue to deliver against objectives, but it's how they actually go about doing it and whom they're bringing along with. So how do you teach someone to be a servant leader when they might not be wired that way? Yeah, and that's the other part of the kaleidoscope is we surround ourselves with different kinds of leaders who are good at different kinds of things. And so uh, the best how does one, you read, you understand, there's a really good book written by a couple guys um, who is called The Serving Leader. And it's these five principles that they actually um, write about. And it's Jennings and Stalwart, S-T-A-H-L-W-E-R-T, Jennings and Stalwart. They wrote this book and it's the story that they tell about a man's journey and how he learned to be a servant leader. And the way he learned to be a servant leader was to be um, kind of embedded in his father's business. And so he learned from the people from that his father taught. And so he was there. And so really probably has more to do with uh, who, who you surround yourself with, uh, what you fill your, your mind with, what your purpose is. Uh, the servant leader kind of runs toward a higher purpose. And so their vision for what they can do is a little bit different. So the way you learn it is by reading about it, probably talking about it, listening to amazing podcasts like this, uh, but probably partnering up with some people that do it, finding people to be men mentors who can speak truth into your life, uh, who can speak truth into my life and your life and say, I know you want to be a servant leader. That really wasn't a servant leader kind of a move. And so having that, transparency and that vulnerability as you're being shaped, I think really is the way to get that, that one done. Because it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not an overnight. You can't pick up one book and suddenly like, ta-da, I'm a servant leader. Well, and it, I really believe too, it starts with someone has to have a desire. Someone has to wake someone up to go, hold on, there's something bigger to this mess or this life that um, how do I plug in? You know, you're absolutely right. And so for the, in the book, I'm talking about the, uh, the crisis of this man's life is his father has cancer. So that was his wake up moment. He has to go deal with, with that. And so along the journey, he actually learns life lessons about um, other people. And uh, Kathleen read something the other day that we used at, at camp. Kathleen is my, my wife, my amazing wife. Uh, she read something about the leadership and it's one of the things we should do is be interested mm -hmm. not interesting 
meaning listen to what people are saying, be pulled into what they're saying. And far too often you've seen leaders and non-leaders, people thinking of their response to what you're saying. You can see their lips already moving, their wheels turning. You haven't even gotten the thing out yet. And they're like ready to jump on it with their response. And so it's really about using your ears to listen. And part of that has the em empathy. If you're not an empathetic person and you, and you just want to go make m money, maybe servant leadership isn't you. If, however, you want to surround yourself with people who um, can perform better, can trust each other and can grow and can actually deliver against the objectives uh, better, then maybe looking into some of the servant leadership stuff and serving others and starting in small ways. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's serving somebody else to, before the meeting starts where you jump into the agenda to say, hey, Mary, how are you doing? Last week, you, you mentioned that your dog was blah, blah, blah. How are you doing? Not that you want to spend the whole meeting talking about Mary's dog, but there is a moment where you want to bring people to, together and have a kind of check-in. So I think that's part of it too. There's that saying, and I know, I think it was someone said it last week, was that you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And giving that example to those, because you know what are some examples? When we actually pause and say, I see you, and not just I see you, I want to know you. Like, I really want to understand who you are, what you need, how I can help you. But in order to get that way, we have to get ourselves out of the way, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um, Zig Ziglar, the great Zig Ziglar said you can get anything out of life that you want as long as you uh, give people what they want. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I had a high compliment paid to me last week. Uh, we did a retirement event with some of the, the work folks. And one of the folks, uh, was talking to me, kind of pulled me aside and was telling me the impact I made on his life and his career at our company because I wasn't too busy mm -hmm. to hear him, to see him. Um, he's a, his job is to make sure all the cameras work, all the card readers work. And, and it's kind of like a, a, a bus boy at a, at a restaurant who just kind of goes on and does his job or her job in the background never being noticed and he said you know you noticed me you you took the time to talk to me and to pay attention to what I had to say and that that was huge for, for him so that's the kind of stuff that you know did I make the company a trillion more dollars doubt it did I save him some money maybe but I changed someone's life were you always this type of leader or or what was what was the journey for you So that's a, that's a good question. And I don't know, I think I've always been sensitive and cared about what people, how they felt and how they thought. So I had a, a high degree of empathy. Um, but as you said, my leadership journey, I started, you know, long ago. What I didn't tell you was when I actually was in sixth grade, I was part of the school safety patrol. So I got to help people cross the street safely. So I got to wear a little sash and I had a little sign. So that maybe started my, my uh, career in leadership, or maybe it was when I made the PA system work. I had to roll out the little PA system for, for the principal to use the microphone. So maybe that's where it started. But my quest for learning more, I think, 
is part of that, that journey. So when I first met you so many years ago, I fancied myself a pretty good leader. I was doing good leadership stuff, but there was something about the program where you worked. I thought, I think I'm good, but let me go see how good. And let me see what these folks have to, to say. And the, the program that you were part of really was transformational, not just for me, but I still have a really good friend that we're in this, the same class and we have a birthday a day apart. And so we're, we see each other on Facebook and we like each other stuff and talk and have conversation, but we have a friendship because of that, that program. But in that program, I think that's where I learned the vulnerability piece the most. Mm -hmm. So we had an opportunity to be introspective and slow down. One of the things, one of my problems in my life is I don't slow down. And so I slowed down enough to kind of look at what was going on. But this journey that I've been on got me to where I am. It's kind of like if you drove to Las Vegas or from your house, at some point you would cross the Nevada border and it says, welcome to Nevada population, something, something, blah, blah, blah. If I actually flew to Vegas and met you, you, you would cross that line at some point. It's 10 a.m. on Tuesday, the blah, 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 and you would know exactly when you cross the line. For me, I would land in the airport and say, I crossed that same state line at some point. I don't know when it was, but I'm no less here than Mary is. And so we're both here. And that's kind of the way it is with this journey that I've been on. I think one day I looked, I woke up and said, hey, this really makes sense. I, I think I told you that I'm working on a doctorate in strategic leadership now. And that's part of that, of the coursework that I'm going through is the leadership styles. I'm looking at you know, what are the different leadership styles? How do they work? How do they actually work together? And what would, how do followers fit in? Because people don't talk a lot about followers and the role of the follower, but the role of the follower is probably as important as the role of the, of the leader. And so learning, I'll still, I'm still learning. So I'm, it's a three-year program. I'm a third of the way through. I'll let you know how it turns out, Mary. I was going to say, so tell us more. So what are, what are some of the Leadership styles. Leadership what? What are Silence. some of the leadership styles? Oh, signs. Uh, well, so sometimes we are thrust into a leadership position un unwittingly because something happens and suddenly, boom, you're now the leader. I remember being back uh, in the YMCA days where we had, the YMCA was doing childcare and camping. And so, uh, Thank you, sir. And so I got a little note there that popped up. And so one of our daycare, childcare staff actually found herself in an immediate position of leadership. She was a cog in the wheel, giving childcare. The director left and suddenly she's the, the director. And so those different tools that people have and i guess one of the things that we do a disservice to the the managers of our organizations the senior level folks get a lot of training new hires get some but the middle manager don't so some of those styles that we learn about are again that there is the charismatic leader there is the servant that we talked about but as these this continuum of leadership and you look at any public official and you can see what their style is and are they collaborative do they have the the collective in mind, or is it something that they're doing for themselves? So it's an interesting study about this program is designed to be, it's in the business school. 
So it's designed to be used in business and life to help people develop their leadership skills and capabilities. And one of the things I think about is how do we, how can we help middle managers understand what their roles are and how to develop their own leadership and their own training? Well, and it's amazing because a lot of times middle managers, a lot of times managers don't even get trained. They're just thrust into their role because they were really good at another role that they did. And then they're just the hamster on the hamster wheel, just figuring out how to survive. And they don't even know. You know, going back to when I asked you if you had always been a servant leader and you were saying, you know, I thought I was a pretty good leader. And, and I really believe, and this is one of my core beliefs is that there's always another level and we can only grow as far as we know. And we don't know what we don't know. There's always, there's so much, there's so many more levels, but we have to be willing to put ourselves in a place where we get uncomfortable. And that's, you know, that's where growth happens. And I think that when people are really looking at how do I develop, how do I grow? First, you have to be curious. And I love what you said earlier, being authentic and putting yourself in a place of vulnerability, but curiosity, that's where it all starts. Well, what if, how come? And to really even step back and go, are people really responding or how are they responding to my style? Because that tells us a lot about the followers of the people that we're leading. It's true. And to understand the people that you're leading, how they are led best. So you've, you've seen the situational leadership materials and SL1, SL2, and there's this kind of a bell curve that takes you through a box. Some folks need to be very directed. Here's how you do it. Go to the freezer, you open the door, you take the box out and you do this. Other folks need to be just, you know, there's food, go, right? So there's this continuum of the, in the kind of impact and influence we should have on a, on a person. And so to understand where they are and how much direction they might need uh, is an important piece of the leadership formula. And that's stuff that you, it takes a lifetime to learn and to read people. Some people don't read people very well not because they don't want to, but because they're moving so fast and we just got to get it's quarterly business reviews. It's this, it's that, it's the next sale, it's the next listing, it's the next this. And they don't actually get into a cadence of understanding, okay, this is my cycle. I need to stop and look and think. Again, I'm terrible at, at that. So those who can do, those who can't teach, but I'm learning to get a little bit better about that. But uh, working on slowing down and just paying attention. Uh, I have a plaque that my wife courageously put up over my, kind of my bed, kind of on my, my dresser that says, be still and know that I'm God. Mm -hmm. And so it's, that's one of the things that I, I often think that God needs my, my help because I'm a really good, good leader and I'm super handy. It turns out he doesn't. Um, but that's a constant reminder to me. Is just slow down, man, slow down. Like Vince, get out of my way, get yeah. out of my way. I got this. God, I got this. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 I have it. <laughs> so what what are your strengths as, as a leader? And that is strengths. Yeah. Not what are my strengths? <clears throat> I think I am genuinely curious about people. So I've said before, if I had to do it all over again, I might have become a sociologist because why groups of people do what they, they do fascinates me. Um, 
no offense to the psychologists in, in the room, mom, um, but uh, I think psychology for me, why people do what they do is, is fascinating. So I think I'm a good student of people and people's behavior. And that's probably what's probably led me into some of the career paths that I've actually been in, you know, leading security organizations or EHS organizations. And so that's one of the pieces. I think another piece is I don't think I'm that important. So oftentimes it's easy for me to keep my own ego in, in check. I'm just a guy just kind of doing my, my thing. It doesn't mean that I can't be a strong leader when a crisis pops up, uh, when you know the, there's a fire in the building, when someone needs medical assistance. doesn't mean that I'm just, you know, I shrink back. I can certainly and certainly am strong and, and lead like that. I think my strengths are, uh, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. Um, I usually don't really care what other people think. And so I care how they feel, but I don't care if they think I'm a, a goofball or not. And I'm just going to stand up and, you know, stand on my, my desk and yell, captain, my captain, I'm okay to, doing that. And I'm the other thing, historically, I think that I don't think I know that what got me to where I am is I started a grassroots movement inside the company where I am today. So I came in to build a safety pro program. I came in as, as a manager level person, uh, but I started on the, on the manufacturing floor. I started on the shop floor, figuring out what they needed and how they were going to respond to certain things before I started off in, in the boardroom. So I started off and I, it's uh, the grassroots efforts and really understanding how things are built and what happens that led us to, to where we are now. And so I, I, I'm very comfortable at all levels of the organization, but I really found it very informative and helpful to work with the folks where the policy implementation was going to impact them first. Someone just noted, Jesus was just the guy like that. <laughs> Walking the truth. You know, Vince, and that's what I know about you, all the, the years that I got to know you, the times that we talk, is that I love just your, you have this fine, the humorous side, but it's so authentic and real. And, you know, it's, and we learn as we grow. So what were some of your leadership lessons along the way that you said, maybe I'm not doing this quite right and I got to let go, remember that I'm not God. Yeah, there's, there's these moments that are just kind of burned into my, my memory. One of them was, and it's those moments when we pull them together that, that teach us that lesson. And I, somebody in maybe the HR organization was, they were doing something and I, it was clashing with my want to control. And so those who know me would tell you, I like to control things and although I'm, I keep saying control what you can, let, let go of the rest. I don't really live that way. I try and control a lot of stuff. Um, but in this particular moment, I, this guy was more senior than I was at the time and, and wanted to do something and it impacted my, my desire to control. And so I said in an email, with all due respect, and I completely crapped all over him and I disrespected him and copied my own boss to show him how, how, how good I was. And boss pulled me aside and said, you know, that wasn't with all due respect. That was actually pretty disrespectful. I'm like, no, but I said with all due respect. 
And so that's the kind of thing that taught me, you know, once you write an email, once you do that kind of thing, it's gone. You, you can't control it. Um, I can't control it. Uh, you certainly couldn't if it was with my email, but I can't control it once it's gone. So that was one thing that taught me to slow down. And yeah, there's still curse e emails that get sent or a text and, or gets read, read out of um, context. But that was one of the things that I thought at that moment, yeah, if I want these people to come alongside me, I can't do that. I can't kick them in, in the teeth and expect them to come alongside me and support the initiatives that I'm looking to support. So that was, that was one of those kinds of moments where I kind of went, oh. Well, it's amazing because looking at you and just everything that you've done, people will see and, and see your titles, see your experience, and they'll think, well, how, you know, he's, he's just got it all together. But what people don't realize is that every single person is the lessons that we've learned along the way that helps us get to where we want to go, but we never arrive ever. It is something that burns in us, but we're constantly a student. And that's what I look at with you. It's just like, I love that you went there. It's like, oh man, I said it all due respect and I'm doing the right thing. And we think we're doing the right thing. That's the thing is a lot of times leaders and individuals, we think and our tensions are right, but holy cow, the ripple that it leaves in the wake behind us. Yeah. And I, sometimes less is more and or if I really had a beef with the guy, I probably should have picked up the phone and said, hey, you said this and that, but you know, here's the ramifications. And so that was handled poorly. And so uh, learning those lessons. And the other piece of that, Mary, is the humility to take the lesson, right? So the guy giving me that the lesson is not someone I wanted to hear from about the, this lesson, but it was a valuable lesson. And so then it taught me actually gave me skills to help other people going forward. So for the remainder of my time there, I was able to help other people. They'd send me an email first and say, hey, I, I want to send this to, to Mary. I'm like, okay, well, what do you hope to get out of it? Well, I want this and this. That's not what, the, what this email says. Oh. So I, I remember one day I was um, at a church board meeting in the morning and the board was senior pastor and maybe five more of us um, elders. And, and there was another another one of Vince's control things. And so I was kind of head to head with some, with one of the other folks about somebody wanted to do something and like, eh, no, I don't want to do that. And we were having this, it wasn't a heated discussion, but it was pretty uh, direct and maybe with a little, a little bit of heat. And one of the other board members said, you know, if I was from outer space and I came down and I saw this conversation I would swear that both of you were talking about something different, not the same topic. I'm like, hmm. And so that was one lesson that I had heard. And another guy I work with, um, really an amazing man who is probably the best listener of anybody I've ever met. Not only does he listen, but he actually hears. And so in several conversations, um, again, you'd think I would learn that in all due respect, but it came back up a different time and I was toe-to-toe -to -toe with some somebody else. And he like I said, no, Vince, that's not what he's actually saying. What he's saying actually is this. And because I was in my fight and flight mode, I wasn't hearing. I was that guy using my mouth more than I was using my, my ear. And that again taught me the value of listening and understanding. If I'm, I can listen, but if I'm formulating my response mm -hmm. 
to counteract him, I'm not actually hearing it. And so really hearing has to do with understanding the person's in intentions also and asking for, for, cl for clarity. So really tell me a little bit more about that because maybe I haven't quite understood what you're saying. So those are important lessons that I think have helped to shape me in my, you know, in my current roles. How do you see the difference between the generations now with <laughs> what they need in regards to leadership styles? Yeah, so that's actually interesting. And that ends up probably filtering its way into my research every couple of weeks because the Gen X and the millennials and whatever groupings they are called, they're different than your generation and, and my generation. And what drives them is a little bit different. A servant leader will do exceedingly well with the current generation. In the next couple of years, there's gonna be more of them than us. So we're aging out, we're moving out of the, the workplace and there's a big vacuum and there's a big hole behind us. This style of listening to people understanding what they want and need and then helping them get it is much better suited for this generation than the generation ahead of us for sure who was built on just go get it done don't tell me where the refrigerator is don't tell me where the box is I, i'm gonna go figure it out and i'm gonna do it so this is going to become an, a much more popular the, the theory of servant leadership is set is 50 years old right so Greenleaf wrote it in 1970. It's an essay. Look, look it up, Robert Greenleaf essay on servant leadership. The principles are really good and are going to be more useful with the current generations because of the way um, they think, they work, they the respect that they want, the value that they want to get. They want to be in a company that's doing something good, right? That's kind of gets to the, that purpose. What's your, your purpose? You might have a purpose to build a thing, but within that, maybe your purpose is to develop your team, is to grow people, get them skills, do some job rotations, hear from them, see them. And I think that's really, this leadership style will be useful more so than ever before with the generations coming into the workforce now. So give the viewers, listeners, some more examples, tangible examples of how servant leadership, what are some things that they can do? What they can do to be a servant leader? Yes. Slow down. Okay. Listen, ask probing questions, ask, get iterative, iterative questions on the, the table. When specifically, not, not everyone in your audience is gonna be sitting in a conference room or having meetings, some are, you know, doing other things. But if you look at in the workplace where there's meetings and stuff, notice the people who aren't contributing. Notice the people who don't say anything and and talk to them offline. Instead of just saying, hey, Mary, you haven't given your opinion yet. Maybe Mary is just painfully shy, not you, because we know you, um, but maybe they're just shy. Maybe they don't feel val valued. And so offline say, hey, I noticed you weren't contributing much to the meeting. Do you have an opinion on, on this? Give them a shot, give them a, the opportunity to hear and then say, you know, would it be okay with, with you if at the next meeting, um, if you are comfortable bringing it up, if I ask you your opinion and you could give it? And then say, sure. Because in an environment where a servant leader is at the helm of the, of the team, um, is 
the culture, people are willing to take more risks. They're not afraid they're going to get fired or hammered for their, for their viewpoint. And as we're working on growing a more diverse workforce within nearly every organization from the manufacturing floor to the, the boardroom, diversity is key. There's diversity in thought. There's diversity in leadership style. There's diversity in personality. Some people do not want to speak up. They're happy to contribute, but they give to the team in a different way. So I, a, a servant leader finds out how that person can contribute the most and maybe removes barriers. I think a big piece of our job as servant leaders is to move the boulders out of the way to help the people to figure out what they need to be. And I say that, but one of the things I would also caution, and there's a lot of writing about this, is focus on your strengths. Mm -hmm. Go focus on your strengths because that's where you're going to get the biggest bang. And so if, if you have a weakness or a, a deficit, surely un understand that and surely work to understand why that's a weakness or not a strength yet. Spend a little bit of time because you can move that into a neutral or even a strong position, but be who you are. So you were created the way you were created and that was no accident. So embrace that and then work on those elements. Partner with people. Find a mentor. Some look around your company, your club, your your brokerage, whatever. Find those people that are leading with their heart, that are kind, that still get stuff done, and go talk to them. Find out what makes them tick. Find out what their why is, right? So figure out what makes them tick because it's not just making widgets. It's not just selling houses. It's not just. There's more to it than than that. So those those are the things I would recommend. Okay. Um, and we're going to open it up. So if there anyone has any questions, absolutely jump in. Someone already did. Vince, this is from Chris. You have a lot of irons in the fire. We're involved in many different programs. Do you feel that you have to be involved in everything to support each program individually? If you were only involved in one program, would that program be as successful? Wow, Chris coming at me with both barrels, huh? Uh, a lot of pokers in the fire. You're absolutely right. If I, if I had only one, ask that last part of the question, Mary. If you were only involved in one program, would that program be as successful? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think it's, um, it's what I put into it and how I actually do it. So there's a point where I can be an inch deep and a mile wide, and that's not helpful to anyone. And so uh, many people would say the same thing you just said, you're doing way too much. And so uh, the guy in my, in my small group would tell me that every single week. So sooner or later, I'm, I'm going to figure that out. That's actually true. But it is, um, as I continue, as I move my trend, as I transition into my next stage of life, retiring from the company after 27 years, my focus is going to be on fewer things for sure. And it's going to be to help company. I want to pass this knowledge on to other people. So I teach an insurance class um, to risk managers. And if I just did that for the rest of my, my life, I think I would do it very well. If I just did our Reliant Camps for the rest of my life, that was my only thing. I think it would be very successful, probably more successful than if I had 12 pokers you know, in the fire. So I think that the answer is, yeah, it would be as, it probably be more successful. 
I think I get to a point where maybe I do a bunch of stuff well. If I did one thing, it would be amazing. So. Well, and Kathleen would be happier. Your grandkids would be happier. They'd see grandpa. Hey, 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 back off. There are people that are going to bring this up and attack me with it now, Mary. Um, so I have another question. How do you balance all that you were doing and still remain present for your family? Oh, that just kind of went into that one. So when the kids were little, so my, my kids are 30, 26, and 24 now. And um, when they were littler, they were I, I balanced my life around what they were doing. Never missed a first day of school, never missed the last day of school, coached their little league, coached their, their soccer, uh, and then would do homework and stuff when they went, went to bed. Um, Kathleen probably lost out on that one more, but I, I think that you know, we still, I still prioritize. There are times like this last year and a, and a half, no lie, was, was tough. Had this year and a half been when they were little, it would have been a disaster for me and for being with them. Um, because, you know, the day started at 5 or 5.30 and ended at 10 or 10.30, and it was just a lot of Zoom time. Kathleen saw the back of my head more than she saw the front of my head because I was always on Zoom calls. But I think that that's a critical piece. Uh, we have to keep ourselves in check, surround ourselves with people who love and support us and that we can love and support back. And I do believe it's a two-way street, and... I don't know a life any differently. So my true confession is I've always had a lot going on um, and I don't know any other lifestyle. And so I'm curious to see what's going to happen in my quasi-retired life because with downtime, I'm, I'm a mess. So mm -hmm. I think if you want something done, you give it to a busy person. So I don't know any other way. My mom used to um, tell me I was you know going to get mono because I was doing too many things. I was doing building the float for high school and I was doing YMCA stuff and I was doing this like oh, come on or I need to, to rest and I small rest when I'm, I'm, I'm dead so I don't know any other life and so I, I see it and I know it's important but I always am cognizant of the time with my family and the bummer is and this is a true bummer for people who do too much is that you leave you give the best to everyone else and you get home and everyone else gets the, the leftovers and that's that's happened it's happened to me before i get, I get home i'm just tired and, and cranky and then kathleen gets the the worst of me not the best of me so but taking taking time out doing you know dates and going on vacations and you know going and hanging out with, with the kids is such an important piece so that's a great question and it's really a thoughtful question and is uh, as you all go on and talk to other people about that at the end of the day, Mary, one's leg legacy, this is the whole dash piece, right? So you know that story well, way too well. And it's the dash. What, what are you going to make of it? What's your tombstone going to say? Is it going to say, man, that guy did a lot? Or is it going to say he, he loved well? And so my legacy, you know, hopefully isn't that, you know, my tombstone said, honey, don't put this on my tombstone. He had too many pokers in the fire. But I think that that's a critical piece and everyone needs to come to that. And hopefully it's not something that's tragic that brings us to that moment. Hopefully it's some, you know, one of Mary's wake up shows where you say, you know what, that's me. I probably should take a second look at that. I know I talked a lot on that one. I was one mouth talking a lot, sorry. You know what I see so much with people who have this heart of a servant and really come from 
that servant leadership, they're such givers and it fills them up. So having so many irons or pokers in the fires because you get filled up by giving and giving and giving, but it's, you know, it's the flip side. Our greatest strength becomes one of our greatest weakness because you give so much that the balance sometimes it tips. And the last person, it's not that your family gets leftovers, you get leftovers. And I watch people like you who just give, 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 give. And then all of a sudden retirement hit, and they go, who am I? <laughs> who am I without doing? Yeah. And it's so important, Vince, to figure out how do you give back to you? How can you fill up and have those priorities so that the family is front and center? And as a result, and like it's the flip side, right? Then you even have more to give to the causes that you're involved in. Yeah, there's a concept of, you know, being being the, the third, you know, God first, family second, everything else third. And that's a great mantra for people to have. And it's a great goal to strive for. And then to surround yourself with people who, again, hold you lovingly accountable, who say, remember how you wanted to do, you know, God, family, everything else, you're flipped. And that's an important piece. And when people speak truth into your life and having the humility to take that in and, and examine it. Uh, oldest son had me reading a, a book about slowing down and there's a lot of great stuff in there. And, you know, I, I am one of those guys who lives too busy of a life. And I think that um, for myself, what fills me up is, you know, family stuff, outdoor stuff. Um, I do get recharged. So I spend this week at camp with, with kids and although it's physically exhausting, it's completely emotionally recharging and fulfilling. And I think I get more out of the week than they, they do. So I'm going to, you know, and it seems counterintuitive that I, you know, for years I would take vacation from work to go do it. And wait, you're going on vacation to go hang out with a bunch of kids. It's great. It's a great thing. So that's the kind of stuff that does fill, fill me up, but regular quiet time, you know, slowing down, knowing that God is God is an important piece being in a community. So we have a Kathleen and I are part of a life group, having those people, again, they speak way more truth into my life than sometimes I want them to. Um, but I've given them, them permission to do it. And that kind of stuff, those are important pieces, but part of the, for me, my makeup is my, my faith element is a huge piece of that. And uh, and has been for a long, long time and come from a, a family that has faith. And I think that for, you can be, you cannot have a faith and still be a servant leader. The ultimate, in my opinion, the ultimate example of a servant leader, of course, was Jesus. And the, his methods were, he had a small group of 12. He could have had hundreds of thousands. He had charisma. He, he did cool stuff. He walked on water. He told the wind to stop. He healed people who were blind or, or dead. That was kind of cool stuff. But he chose smaller. And then the night before he was betrayed, he washed their feet. He knew what was going on. He knew what was going to happen. But he still modeled that leadership by getting down in the dirt and washing grimy feet of even the guy who was going to be, be, betray him. So when I look at that... I, I serve and sometimes 
you know, we say ministry is, is messy and like my whole life is kind of a ministry thing, you know, whether I'm at work or doing the chaplaincy stuff, it is messy because people are messy and, um, but it's worth it. So if you look at why, what drives me, my, my why is really to help people um, just to serve others and allow them to be the best they can actually be. Does that permeate every decision I make? It, it doesn't, but that's my, my general why. That's my, my big goal is to, to just love others. When um, one more religious thing, and then I'll get off that unless someone wants to bring it back up, is um, one of the religious leaders of his day tried to trap Jesus into um, making a statement. And he said, hey, so of all the, the commandments, what's, what's the most important one? And Jesus said, look, it's easy. Love God. And the other one's just like it, love others. And that's what we're, we're called to do, Mary. I think that um, by serving others, we are showing love. And by helping others grow to become who they can become, you know, for me, this career piece is over, but I have a lot to give back and continue to pour into other people. I don't want to leave it here. I want to put it out there for others to pick up and, and keep using. I love it. Uh, I have another question. And looking back on your life, what is one thing that you might have done differently? I would have become a sociologist. <laughs> I don't know that I would do anything differently other than a deep moment of in introspection. There's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff I would have tweaked and done a little bit differently. Um, and But I think on balance, most of it was the right stuff. I was, I was using the gifts I was given. I continued to foster those. Um, do I have it all together? I do not. So, I mean, I do a lot of stuff and I help a lot of people, but I'm, you know, just as uh, messed up as the next person or whatever those terms are. I don't know if we're all messed up or not, but what would I have done differently? Um, I don't know. My Fear would be if I had done something differently, I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm -hmm. I'm exceedingly ecstatic to be leaving where I am now, moving to the next chapter, moving on, looking back and helping pull people up along with me. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the proposition of being able to spend more time with the family um, now, I think is, is huge. So I don't know that I'll do anything much different. Well, it's awesome to be able to live that way and say everything that I've done has helped me where I am today, which I've got to touch a lot of lives and there are no regrets. So regrets. what would you, what would you um, share with your, if you know, now we know, knowing what you now, I can talk, knowing what you now know, what would you share with your younger self? For sure. So younger self slow down listen to what people are saying even your wife especially your your wife uh you don't need to be on all these these boards at such a, a young age although you don't need to be on all these, these boards so slow down and enjoy what you you, you have so i think that's what i would tell my younger self i love you were going to make a justification and you but, I, but I heard it but i heard it uh, okay, so answer this question. I feel like a kid again when I. I feel like a kid again when I am with 
my boys, their wives, the kids, and we're just goofing off, playing, have, having fun. So it brings me right, right back. Actually, I feel like a kid again when I tell fart jokes too, because it brings you right back to, to junior high. But um, you know, I really with my my fun times. You know, we're just hanging out uh, with kids and playing and doing stuff. And then because the difference between that and being at camp. Being at camp, I have to be the director and the first aid provider, all that. When I'm with my family, I don't have to do all that. I just get to, to play and roll around and throw the frisbee and that kind of stuff. You just get to be. No yeah. expectations. Yeah. Although I did, I went and saw a group of friends from high school over the weekend on Saturday. One of my classmates uh, pulled together uh, a bunch of old gray haired people to play soccer one more time. And so uh, when I'm with that group, I find myself thinking that we're still. And it was right, it's junior high right next to our, our high school in Cupertino. I, um, it, my mind goes back. I can't believe that I'm, you know, closer to there than the other side. But it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but being in those places and being with those folks, you know, gets me back. Really, I don't feel like in my mind, I don't feel like I'm, I don't think I'm older than my mid-20s. So. You know, it's amazing, though, what you said, you know, to you feel like a kid again when you can just hang out to play yeah that is the piece that really i believe brings a lot of balance to people um so we have one minute left and i some people made comments and whatnot on facebook we will have this again it'll be on facebook we post it on our youtube channel and then our podcast channel but just final thoughts since i always say this is this is your podium and your message, the thing that burns in your heart, um, if you haven't been able to wrap it all up, now's your chance to just, what's the message you want to get out? Take care of each other. So there is so much divisiveness, divisiveness in our, our country. There's so many people looking to divide. A servant leader looks to bring together. Mm -hmm. And so there are, rather than looking at what's different, look at what's similar bring people together, listen, be empathetic. When they make a comment, ask them, really, tell me more. Let me un understand that viewpoint. So I think empathy will go a long way to heal our company, our country. I think that loving each other and giving acts of service will help with that too. And I think just having, being humble and having this sense of humility really helps to break down barriers and it's okay to not justify it's okay to not argue it's okay to say that's a really interesting point i've not looked at that, that way before thank you and that's pretty cool i just want to say thank you just thank you for saying yes your message is one that i mean i know that i need to re be reminded to feel and um, to live um because Whatever, you know, whatever your message is, there's someone else that needs to hear it. And I know there's other people that I, I really believe are blessed by this. And you're so dead on, so right on that it does start with love, that people need connection. And the more we just pause, the more we slow down, the more we listen, the more we care, the more we get curious, that's where the healing starts to take place. So just thank you for being a servant leader for showing up, for sharing your life, your wisdom, insight, and just being real. 
Mary, thank you. Uh, the work that you and Eric are doing, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing that the fact you're waking people, people up and getting people kind of moving in a different direction is incredible. So I thank you for your gifts and, and how you are applying those gifts uh, to everyone that you meet. You're, you're incredible. So thank you. You're welcome. And we will talk soon. All right. Thank you everyone for being on here. We'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah.